welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. The Thunder's wrapping up its busiest month of the year, and recently, with its win on Wednesday over Sacramento, the Thunder racked up six straight road wins. We'll brief you on what allowed that to happen, and not to mention, we'll also recap our favorite January moments. You're not going to want to miss it. It's the Thunder Basketball Universe. Yeah, Paris! Welcome into the Thunder Basketball Universe. Guys, it's another partial road pod. Nick, I love these because I get to live vicariously through you while it's freezing 29 degrees in Oklahoma City. What's the weather like where you are right now? It's, you know, a little brisk out here in Sacramento. Uh, Team just got off a 20-point win on the road against the Kings. We're taking off for sunny Phoenix later this afternoon to finish up this road trip. Yeah, I I imagine Phoenix will be a nice little change of pace, a little warmer. But let's just go straight into it. We're recording this on Thursday, January 30th. The Thunder just defeated Sacramento on the road, making it its sixth straight road win, second longest road win streak in OKC history. And they did it in punctuating fashion with a 20-point win over Sacramento. Yeah, this has been a group that has played very, very well on the road recently. They've won 11 out of their last 13 on the road, uh, 10 of their last 11. And really, that's been the story of the month of January, that uh, this was a brutal schedule. And yet they figured out how to close out games. Last night was a, a situation where they didn't even need uh, any crunch time execution. They were able to just take care of business really with a a dominant third quarter after playing a very solid first half. As Chris said earlier in the season, you know, it's great to learn, but it's even better to learn and win at the same time. And that's what's happening with this young Thunder squad right now. Absolutely. These last 10 road games, like you mentioned, have won nine of their last 10 road games. And two of those games include overtime wins. They were 3-1 and one on the road to open up January and then won out the rest of those road games. What makes them so effective when they're playing on the road in January? They've really brought the defense with them on the road. Uh, you hold a team like Sacramento to 100 points. Uh, the thing that really stood out to me in that victory was they didn't even really let Buddy Heald or uh, Nemanja Bielitsa get shots off. Bielitsa only took five field goals the whole game. He's came into the game shooting 50% from three at home, 44% overall from the field. And he went 0 for 5 for zero points. So that is a major factor. And then Buddy Heald, who's coming off a career-high 42 in that crazy win that Minnesota had, I'm sorry, that uh, Sacramento had over Minnesota, he he's held to just 12 shot attempts, 3 of 10 from three for only 13 points. He was a minus 20 in the game. So the Thunder did a really nice job. I love what Billy Donovan did there where he basically – told Dennis Schroeder, go get up in Buddy Heald's jersey for the entire time you're on the floor and really forced Buddy to be a driver instead of a shooter. He absolutely did. And to bring an old stat out of the woodwork, I would say his pop to Fofter was absolutely off the charts. <laughs> the return <laughs> the- of the pop to Fofter. Shout out producer Hendy. The, for those who don't know, the pop to Fofter stands for pressure. Oh, Nick, you're going to have to help me. It's a lot. Pressure on the ball 30 feet away from the rim or further, I think. Something like that. From the from the rim. Pop the fofter. The R is rim. That's right. Either way, Dennis 
leads the Thunder in the Pop to Fopter category. But one other thing that I've noticed throughout January is the Thunder, they're not winning these games all in the same situation. They're not all close games. They're not all blowouts. We've had two overtime wins. We've had a few within five to 10 points and still some with over 15 point margins. So the Thunder is finding ways to be successful, come together, no matter what lineup, no matter who's on the floor or what situation they're presented on the other side of the floor. They've brought the offense uh, and really been able to be effective and efficient on that end of the floor. Every single one of these wins, aside from the Spurs win where they scored 109 points, all the rest of them, they've scored at least 110, which is kind of like the mark for an NBA team. Like if you score 110, your offense is really humming that night against Sacramento. They had a season-high 32 assists, just 13 turnovers, so just an incredibly productive night on the offensive end, zipping the ball around the perimeter. And I think we're seeing this Thunder team use spacing a little bit better. It's one thing that Billy Donovan said that Danilo is just incredible with is being able to recognize when the floor is getting bunched up and how to move himself without the ball to generate more space for guys like Shea or Chris or Dennis to be able to attack the lane and then make the next play. That has been the key for this Thunder offense. I mean, it only came to light this lat- this past game when Coach Donovan really put a name on it with spacing. But think about it, how they operate their entire offense this season, bringing the the bigs up to the high post and opening up that lane for guards to navigate, get into the lane and cause that suction to hit that open player for an extra pass. Or he even talked about Lou Dort yesterday and how even though he had, we'll get to this later, but even though he had a career high in points, he was doing a great job making the extra pass. So I think that's been a really big catalyst for the reason why this Thunder offense has been able to make constant increasing better strides throughout the season. Well, and they're up to, you know, top five in the NBA in field goal percentage. That's, you know, a sign that your offense is really generating high quality looks. And uh, it's another reason why this team has continued to sustain this type of success. We're now looking basically at two straight months of an NBA season of this Thunder team playing at about a 60 win pace. And, you know, two months, that's 40% of an NBA season. So it's nothing to sneeze at. We hinted at it a little earlier, so we don't want to leave you hanging too long. But as many Thunder fans know, Lou Dort has been absolutely phenomenal for this Thunder team over the past six games. He started for the Thunder in these past six games, and in recently, most recently, against Sacramento, he notched a career-high 23 points on five of six from the three-point line. Nick, you got a chance to talk to him after the game. What was going through his head that day? He just plays. I'm not so sure that he's really out there thinking. And I think that's the reason why he's been playing so well. Uh, The first 10 games that he played, uh, I think he was three of 17 from the three-point line. Did not shoot it very well. But the last four games, he's hit nine of his 14 three-point attempts. And so he did not come into the league known as a shooter. But what's clear is he's way more comfortable on the floor. And he mentioned that he's working on it. And that's something that the three-point line is something that he's clearly been working on. And that's kind of been the sentiment that's been echoed from not only Coach Donovan with the Thunder, but Coach Gibbs with the Blue. We have to remember that Lou Dort is a two-way rookie guard. And he spends half of his time with the G League affiliate OKC Blue. And 
over he's only played 14 total games for the Thunder but I did some digging and I, I came I found out a few stats about Lou and it just really kind of illustrates his growth so far this season in his rookie year he's played 14 total games for the Thunder seven of them were in December and seven in January obviously he started six games in January zero starts in December but in January he's had 64 points versus 23 in December and his three-point shooting percentage was 39 in December and 52 in January so again we're seeing even at the NBA level he's continuing to get better uh, one thing though to just keep an eye on with Lou is this is the mo- this is kind of the time in a rookie's season where he's starting to get some success on the offensive end teams are really laying off of him and not guarding him because he's not typically on the scouting report can he sustain his level of defense, not get distracted by the offense right now, and still come into every single matchup with the understanding that his number one job, you know, tomorrow night against Phoenix is locking down Devin Book. That is a continued trend that we all, I think, as as people around the Thunder with the team and the coaching staff are going to keep an eye on. And that's why he's on the floor. That's why he's earned these six starts for the Thunder is because of his lockdown defense. I mean, during his six starts, he's guarded Damian Lillard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, De'Aaron Fox, Bielitsa, you named all of these players, Andrew Wiggins, and he's held them to lower shooting clips or frustrating offensive nights, to say the least. Yeah, this has really been kind of the murderer's row of of guys that you're going to have to deal with. I mean, even the ones that you didn't mention, Trey Young and Luka Doncic, Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross, he defended uh, in Orlando. So you're right. I mean, during this whole stretch of games where Lou's been in the mix, he's gotten opportunities to shine that first start in Houston. And he, he held James Harden to one of 17 from three. Definitely a rising star on this Thunder roster, and we'll, we'll be on the lookout to see how he continues his offensive production while also maintaining that super high-intensity elite defensive performance for the Thunder. But speaking of rising stars, the All-Star is coming up before we know it, and we have a rising star player potentially on our roster right now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who's been having an outstanding season so far, and has just been a constant source of production offensively for the Thunder. Yeah, he's been fantastic pretty much all season long. He's had, of course, some ups and downs during the flow of the season. But all in all, uh, he's he's continued to round out his game. I thought last night's performance, 17-7-7, was an excellent bounce back after two kind of tough games uh, in a row for him just from a scoring and efficiency perspective the layups that he normally gets to drop just were not there for him against Dallas and Minnesota but then he bounces back against Sacramento and just plays a very measured solid floor game where he gets other guys involved a take takes his opportunities I think that's emblematic of the way that he's been all season long. I think that's been one of the biggest indicators to me of Shea's growth is how we saw in the beginning of the season, he had these major scoring outbursts, 20, 25 points a game. And then we saw a lull kind of towards that second quarter of the season where his scoring numbers went down. But then recently we see him take off in not only points again, but his rebounding numbers, his assist numbers. 
in one instance that sticks out to me, and it probably sticks out to everybody who's been watching Thunder basketball, was the day after, or the game after the Thunder lost to the Lakers, after just getting absolutely out-rebounded on the glass, Shea in the locker room post-game took partial credit for not helping out his big men like Steven Adams on the boards. The next game, he goes out to Minnesota and racks up 20 rebounds. That's something that in that illustrates to me more than anything how much potential Shea has. Yeah, he is a guy that clearly has that it it factor. He takes the game seriously and he's learning, continuing to learn from Chris Paul and Dennis and some of these guys around him. And you know, we've talked about Shea as a rising star. Tonight the all-star reserves will be named and so there's a there's a solid chance that OKC gets a player in that mix as well. Once again, just putting themselves in a position to be successful. Here at the Thunder, we like to keep the main thing the main thing and we've talked about it a lot, but January is coming to a close. That's the main thing for the Thunder right now. It has been a grueling month for this team. 17 games in 31 days, starting the month out on a four-game road trip, one of the longest road trips of the season. But regardless, the Thunder is 11-5 and in this month. And there's been a lot that's transpired over this 31 days of basketball for the Thunder. And Nick and I both have some moments that stick out in our head as favorites. Nick, I'll let you go first. I want to start with the first game of the month, technically, which was the win at San Antonio. That is a really difficult place to play. They, The Spurs are a team that will not go away. <laughs> and the Thunder went down there knowing that they had this four-game road trip looming over its head, this really daunting month. And they went down there and they took care of business. In the second half, they finished off this that game with force on both ends of the floor and really put the Spurs in a position where they didn't have a chance to win the game down the stretch. I thought that was such an emphatic way to start the month. My other favorite moment, Paris, from January was, of course, January 9th, the Thunder wearing its city edition uniforms for the very first time, honoring those killed in the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995. And then that same night was Russell's return to OKC. Uh, we did a great pod on that night. That was just such a, an amazing moment inside Chesapeake Energy Arena. That was one game where I agree with you, Nick. That's easily one of my favorite January moments. But I had a, a different vantage point than I usually do in that game. I was sitting up in Section 103 in Chesapeake Energy Arena, and I could just, I felt like I was amongst the swarm of people in that arena. And while, you know, the whole arena stands before the Thunder makes their first shot. And so there was just a sea of people, and it was just so cool and different to see how many people what 18,000 people feels like when you're sitting one of, as one of them. I'm going to I'm going to add my last favorite January moment and it has just been witnessing the airborne acrobatics of Nerlens Noel over this month. I know he's been doing this for a long time, but it seems like recently, especially during this month, we've seen Nerlens above the rim catching alley-oops from Dennis from Chris. Well, he's now up to 49 alley-oops on the season, I believe fourth in the NBA in that stat. So Nerlens is continuing to 
separate himself as one of the best finishers in the league. Uh, he's a great open floor runner, and that's why you see him get rewarded. Uh, and there were two crucial ones during a uh, massive sequence for the Thunder in the second quarter against Sacramento, where Dennis hit him for lob dunks on back-to-back possessions. New Orleans actually started one of those plays by getting a poke away up top, you know, making a steal. He had four steals last night, and then Dennis hit him with a no-look lob in transition, and that really, I think, emotionally. Uh, ended that game last night against Sacramento. It's such a dagger whenever you just get beat on an alley-oop on back-to-back possessions, super deflating. And I think it's awesome, too. New Orleans is rocking the face mask now, and it looks like he's doing just fine with it. Yeah, seems to be adjusting. That's always a little bit weird for players. For those who maybe didn't know, New Orleans had a uh, fracture of the zygomatic arch, which is a basically your cheekbone. And so you had to have a little procedure to repair that. Thunderheads will definitely know that that is the same injury that Russell Westbrook sustained a few years ago uh, when his cheek was basically dented in uh, on the floor. Uh, so, you know, the more you're in this business, the more you learn about some of the weirdest, strangest injuries and, and what they're called and their recovery times. Didn't keep him out very long and clearly did not set him back in his ability to get above the rim. So fear the mask. What made us, well, what made me look in particular, I was watching the game on the broadcast uh, against Minnesota on Wednesday. And during one of the melts, the highlight reels that the broadcast puts together after the game, there's one little flash of about two seconds of everybody on the Thunder bench just jumping up and down in unison on the sideline before the Thunder tips off. And it was a little too intentional to just for me to not notice it, but it definitely made me do a double take. Nick, you were there. What did you see? They were right in front of me. That was right before the opening tip off. And it kind of signaled to me, hey, we're starting this final road trip of a grueling month, the 16th out of 17 games in the month of January. We're coming off kind of a blah loss at home to Dallas. We're not going to be able to just have the energy sometimes. We got to make our own. We got to create the energy. And I think thought that was a really nice way for the guys on the bench to just give a little bit of a boost, a little bit of an, a jolt of energy to the five guys who are starting that game. It's all about the little things, right? I mean, if you get, if you show that you have some energy on the bench, the guys on the floor, like the, the guys on the bench have my back. It, it's all about the little things. And I think that's great for the guys to do that. Everybody on the bench to do that. We've come to that point in the podcast where we want to bless your timeline. And in the wake of all that has transpired over this past week with the passing of Kobe and his daughter Gianna and all those other people on the helicopter crash, there have been countless tributes throughout the NBA, the league, and the world. But a few have stuck out to us, especially on the Thunder team. And recently, it was Danilo Gallinari in the locker room telling his story of how he knew Kobe from his perspective as an Italian player and playing overseas. Nick, you were in that locker room with me. Maybe you can recount that story as well. Well, Kobe in the country of Italy have a deep history. He lived there as a child uh, and Kobe speaks Italian and 
so there's always been a connection there in international play. Kobe wears the number 10, which is kind of a, an homage to the best soccer players around the world. So he's always had a very global presence. And so Danilo uh, had a couple stories. One was that, you know, he holds his camp in Italy every summer. And yes, there's a lot of Danilo jerseys, but there's even more Kobe jerseys from the kids that are at his camp, which I think is kind of hilarious. And then there was another time where Danilo was in Vegas and kind of out of nowhere, Kobe just starts yelling across the court, Gallo, 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 you know, Danilo. And, you know, just made that connection, went out of his way to speak Italian to him anytime they were on the court together and really to reach out to him, try to talk to him and, and to make those bonds. And, I mean, I know Gal has been wearing the number eight for a long time, but that's just another level of connection that he has with Kobe of just sharing that number, sharing the Italian history. And obviously among the many languages that Kobe spoke, just being able to speak Italian to somebody who is that has that native language, I'm sure was super special for Danilo, especially playing in the United States for so long. Um, Also recently, Uh, Chris Paul returned to the lineup on Wednesday against Sacramento after missing his only game of the season due to personal reasons following the death of Kobe. Um, But in his post-game press conference, he talked about how it was the best thing for him to do to get back out on the floor and that he actually told Lou Dort that Kobe would have been proud of him because he scored 23 points and had zero assists and Kobe was all about being aggressive and staying aggressive and at on the broadcast they showed the the bench during the game uh towards the end of the game as it was winding down and you could see Chris on the sideline giving Lou a fist bump and just smiling and I wonder if that was the same moment where he he told Lou those those words um something else that also blessed our timeline just kind of continuing with this this section of our podcast our producers have informed us that there have been an increase in listens from across the globe Sarah you've been able to keep us updated on who's listening and where where are these listens coming from Uh, from all over of course Oklahoma City obviously uh norman edmund you know the outskirts homies representing but the kiwis are one of our strongest listener bases especially in auckland so shout out to whoever is in auckland sharing this with all of their friends first of all thank you shout out to the kiwis for representing the thunder basketball universe and then can you tell me where mount julia tennessee is can I tell you where Mount Julia, Tennessee is? That's my hometown, my family representing. Thank you for listening, everybody at home, mom and dad. We appreciate you here at Thunder Basketball Universe, <laughs> along with everybody overseas. Shout out to all of our listeners across the globe, including New Zealand. Thank you so much to our producers for keeping us up to date on everything. Nick, thanks so much for calling in. Have fun in Phoenix. Don't worry, it'll still be cold here. Until next time, Thunder up. And catch you later.